I'm Damien Venuto. It's October 5th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. A new reality show has been rocked by revelations regarding the previous behaviour of one of the contestants. The Herald has learned that F-Boy Island contestant Wade Moore was taken to court on allegations of inappropriate behaviour with the teenager. Despite this, he was still cast on the show and included in promotional material. This has sparked significant discussion about the role of state-owned media in New Zealand. So how does a show like this get commissioned in the first place? Are screening processes secure enough to protect participants? And should a public broadcaster even be running shows like this at all? Today, I'm joined by NZ Herald senior writer David Fisher for a discussion on how TVNZ could get this so wrong. David, to start things off, can you give us a sense of how decisions are made when it comes to commissioning and creating a new TV show? As a general rule, TVNZ's got uh, five commissioning editors who will hear pitches from people that want to make shows. And if those pitches get some traction, the people making the pitch will be told, yeah, cool, that sounds like a good idea. Go away, work up a full proposal, and then we'll start putting that towards where the funding is. With FBoy Island NZ and shows of that sort, things are a little bit different, I think, because Warner Brothers makes an extraordinary amount of content they have a really close relationship with TVNZ, with all the broadcasters, and those conversations are going on all the time. And so when it comes to TVNZ looking at its lineup for the next year, it wouldn't be unusual for TVNZ to be having conversations with Warner Brothers where they're saying, hey, we've got a gap in our schedule for a, a dating show that would appeal to a young audience. Uh, what sort of things have you got rattling around in the cupboard? And Warner Brothers NZ might say, we've got franchises for this show, this show, and this show. Does any of that sound like the sort of thing that you'd want? And so there'd be more of a shorthand process going on there because they both understand each other's needs really, really well. David, just for a bit of context here, what exactly is F-Boy Island? So F-Boy Island NZ is a local version of a US show that's just heading into its second season. And what it does is it presents 20 young men to three young women, and the women's job is to weed out the F-Boys from the nice guys. Uh, Now, an F-Boy, and the F is the uh, four-letter word intending to to mean sex, Uh, the F-Boy is someone whose pursuit of women is only for sex. That's a slang term, and uh, it can be taken to mean someone that believes that they have an entitlement to sex. And so there's the F-Boy versus the nice guy. That's the premise of the show and the three women to, uh, to weed that out. Welcome to the island. There are 10 nice guys. Fire! Cheers. And 10 of those guys. you got to play the game right. <laughs> it's time to separate the men from the boys. My game plan is come up with a game plan. Just off the back of that, you've revealed some controversy behind the scenes happening with, on the production side of F-Boy Island. Could you give us a sense of what's going on? So just to just to unfold how this happened, uh, when TVNZ started promoing the show quite heavily o- over the last week or so, the promo caught the eye of a young woman particularly who knew one of the contestants and she knew that contestant because he had been in court last year accused of trying to suffocate her. 
Now, it's really important to note that this man, he was found not guilty in the district court of what he was accused of. But the, the judgment of the case gives context around the events that led to him being charged. And the context around that has had quite an impact. So he was someone that was in this woman's wider friend circle, and she had made it clear to him that she did not want a physical relationship or physical contact with him. On the night of the particular incident that led to the court charge, and it was a court charge of suffocation, she was out in central Wellington. It was about 3 a.m. She was very drunk, and she had no money to get home. He later told police that on that particular night, he had paid for an Uber because he was hoping that if he could get her to his house, he might be able to have sex with her. So she awoke in his bed not long after that, couldn't remember leaving town, couldn't remember getting to his place, but found that she was in his bed with him uh, spooning her. And as the judge had said in the case, she had recently been victim to serious sexual assault that had started while she was asleep in bed so waking in that situation was terrifying for her she began to scream for help he placed his hand across her mouth and nose and that's where the suffocation charge came from the not guilty verdict came about because he had said his hand was over her mouth to stop her screaming out for help not because he was trying to suffocate her and so the judge had said because the law is really explicit, it says that it has to have intent, that you have to be able to prove intent. Because intent could not be proven in this case, the not guilty is what followed. The man was acquitted of the charge. And so that's how this became public, was that the promo started showing the woman who was the victim, she made contact with TVNZ. She did that last Tuesday. By the time Friday had rolled around, she hadn't actually had any sort of substantive reply back from TVNZ. And she was becoming quite frustrated by this. And so she put a page or two of the judgment on social media and pointed out that it related to a contestant of the show. I made contact with it. I got hold of the full judgment and events unfolded from there. How did TVNZ miss this in the screening of their contestants? Well, the man told me, I'd, I'd spoke to him uh, on a couple of occasions ahead of the story running. He told me that when it came to the screening, they signed waivers to allow court record checks to be done. And so that meant that the screening process only captured cases in which there had been convictions. And as the man had said to me, he didn't feel that he needed to offer anything or, or, or any information because he hadn't been convicted. So in his view, he was not guilty. There was no issue. So I think that's a bit problematic for those that are doing the screening because for a show of the sort, I would think it would have a heightened chance of attracting the wrong sort of contestant. And one of the people that I interviewed ahead of the story running had said to me that the way that the term F-boy is used as a franchise show or not, it normalises adverse sexual behaviour and would be appealing to those people that carry out that type of behaviour themselves. Now, look, I, I expect that there would have been some sort of wide-ranging caveat that the contestants would have had to have signed, some sort of generic agreement that there was nothing in their past that was going to bring anybody into disrepute. But like I said, because this man was acquitted of the charge, when I spoke to him, he felt that there was nothing to declare. TVNZ has since said that they're going to edit out sections featuring Wade Moore. Do you think that goes far enough to appease the public that's frustrated that this was allowed to happen in the first place? 
Yeah, that decision by TVNZ has created the worst job in television for someone because <laughs> they, they're going to have to go through a huge amount of footage. We, we don't know how prominently he was going to feature in the show, so we don't know how integral he was to the various storylines that they developed for these shows. Does it go far enough? I The question I keep hearing from people is why the show was being made in the first place, whether this is the sort of thing that one has a state broadcaster for. I think that there's a, a good number of people who would feel that it doesn't go far enough and that the show shouldn't screen at all. I guess that the answer is going to be in the ratings. And that's where you have this this sort of circular argument. You know, we make it because people watch it. Because people watch it, we make it. I think it comes back to a, a wider question as to whether or not this is what TVNZ's meant to be about. Just for a bit of broader context over here, Three has also made a similar mistake in the past, casting a man who faced charges of domestic violence in their version of Married at First Sight. So looking at these two incidents, do you think that there's perhaps an argument to be made for better screening processes when it comes to these reality shows, particularly when there is a sexual element to them? I definitely think there's a better case for that. Even just for the sake of protecting the investment that you're putting into making a show like this, never mind the reputational damage, but from a straight dollars spent thing, the potential cost is extraordinary and so why not spend money on a really good private investigation firm and get them in to run a proper ruler over all of these people see with the Marriott at first sight case that was somebody who'd be convicted in the united states united states criminal records are remarkably easy to check and any decent screening process i would have thought would have built some sort of a biographical timeline of each contestant so that you could look at the jurisdictions that they've been in and you could make those sorts of checks in each of the jurisdictions and not just for court records but to get privacy waivers from those individuals so that you can look at what other interactions they would have had with law enforcement do you think that tvnz strict commercial imperatives and pressure to attract advertising funding leads to decisions like this being made when it comes to a show like fboy island i think tvnz's problem here is a lack of clarity about who it serves and and how it serves that particular audience each channel that tvnz has targets a particular demographic and it does so because that's where the advertising money is And so you've got a situation where the commercial imperative, to a large degree, forms broadcasters true north. We had a period in time where TVNZ had a charter, and so its true north was some sort of public service imperative. That's a very, very different imperative. The public service imperative that is served by FBoy Island NZ would have to be close to zero, I would think. And that's that's what having a commercial true north will do to you. Yeah, I suppose the other problem here is that the television advertising market's worth hundreds of millions of dollars every single year, and the government's not going to foot that bull. So it needs to invest in shows that aren't necessarily for the public good, but they're hoping will attract an audience. Well, not to say that TVNZ should be making shows that nobody watches, but why should TVNZ necessarily be pursuing popularity or big audiences? And again, this comes back to the question of what purpose is TVNZ meant to be serving? This is the debate that Woody Jackson is trying to have. The way that broadcasting has changed over the last 20 years or so is extraordinary. And the state broadcaster really needs to adjust to that new environment. With shows like F-Boy Island, it's not doing that. All it's doing is 
running into the same brick wall again and again, trying to work out why it hasn't fallen over. We will be clear that we require a, a change of culture. It's not just, it's not just, it's not just about making money. It's about New Zealanders feeling proud, knowing who they are. We need a different New Zealand voice, recognising Māori, Pacifica, Asian and other ethnic minorities. It's not just about one group anymore. What do you think this means for the prospect of that TVNZ-RNZ merger? Do you think that decisions like this prove that there is a serious need for change in public broadcasting in this country? Again, I think it comes to that question of why do we have a public broadcaster and the gap that we're trying to fill, right? So one of the great pressures on our society is the polarisation that happens within it and the distance that is created within the many communities that make up our society. So if our community is a great big village green, TVNZ has historically and still does stand on a great big ivory tower in the middle of it and shouts at everybody in the village green. That approach doesn't work anymore because those communities, they have gone off and found ways to talk to each other and among each other. That's why social media was so appealing because people didn't need to be shouted at. They could have those conversations among themselves. And within those groups, their own storytellers or storytellers have got down onto the village green off the ivory tower and they're making stories to serve those communities. And sometimes they make stories that serve all of those communities and pull them together. If we're looking at what the purpose of a state broadcaster is, I think it is finding a way to help glue those communities together, to help those communities speak to each other and with each other, rather than producing dating TV shows that separate who the F-boys are and who the nice guys are. David, what do you think a responsible public broadcaster looks like in 2023 and beyond? The role of a public broadcaster has to be to serve the public working out how that serves the public is the tricky question that needs to be solved here. It is the one that I think the merger is trying to provide an answer to. I don't know, I remain unconvinced that the vision that the government has for the merger necessarily is the right answer, but the status quo is not the way forward. Where does a public broadcaster fit in? It doesn't fit in by producing shows like FBoy Island NZ. Thanks for joining us, David. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson and edited by Paddy Fox. I'm Damien Venuto. Subscribe to The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.